from my experience of working in the region and I work um, with a lot of ladies um, within this region um, from a lot of different Arabic cultures, backgrounds, religions, the whole board. And that's one thing I love about um, living in the Middle East. And um, I'm seeing even a big shift, um, especially with ladies kind of early 30s in their attitude um, towards sex and towards their body. Marhaba, I'm Karen Abu Jaude. I'm Sara Raslan. And I'm Mais Amran. Welcome to Al Umuma. Real talk, guys. We'll be taking you through all the stages of pregnancy and motherhood and diving into the stuff no one talks about. From fears and anxieties, sex drive, to social stigmas, we will be sharing our personal experiences with you. And of course, welcome various special guests to share their journeys and learnings too. And most importantly, hear from you, mamas. This is your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram where we'll be taking all your awesome questions. Don't shy away, mamas, or even papas. All sorts of questions are welcome. Just remember, folks, we are not medical professionals. We are mamas sharing our experiences with you. All thoughts and opinions expressed are our own. In this episode, we're going to be discussing sexual health postpartum. We'll be looking into all the truths about sex after having a baby the changes your body experiences, and how you can return to your sex life. We are so excited to welcome Jade Lucas-Reed, a physiotherapist who specialized in pelvic and women's health. She has over nine years of experience here in the Middle East. Jade treats her patients using a combination of manual therapy, acupuncture or dry needling, functional rehabilitation, and clinical Pilates in order to help people heal. She has previously worked alongside professional dancers, acrobats, and athletes. Welcome, Jade. We're so excited to have you. Welcome to Al Umuma. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm impressed at you guys' setup. It's absolutely amazing. Our setup, our studio is in Mace's (laughs) newborn son's nursery room. We're so excited about this topic. It is such an interesting topic. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking all things sex. We really want to bring sexy back. And Jade is going to help us do that. So let's jump right in. Jade, can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in the physical body postpartum? What has changed? What's going on with the vagina? And really, let's, let's dive into the good stuff here. Okay, so firstly, generally speaking, women have been disconnected from anything to do with their vagina and sexual health. There's always been a lot of shame around it. And especially as of recent, I'm noticing a lot more women are becoming aware of their sexual health, um, not just postpartum, but postpartum is becoming, it's, it's increasing. Women are becoming more aware. Um, so... <laughs> initially it's about 83% of women who um, suffer from some kind of pelvic pain after during sex postpartum so that's quite a, a, a large number 83% of women so obviously you've carried a baby for nine months you've got a lot of physical changes in your body but not just physical changes but 
mental changes as well, how you feel about yourself, how you feel within yourself. Um, and generally this for women manifests within their vagina. So as you can tell, it's not just a physical issue, but it's also a, an emotional issue. And this isn't spoken about enough within the community, um, especially within this region, it's becoming quite, uh, quite a new thing. So I'm passionate about sexual health <laughs> in all forms, but mostly postpartum ladies, because women kind of have this, there's this kind of image that women after children shouldn't have a sex drive. They shouldn't feel like sexual beings anymore. They shouldn't feel like, you know, they, they, they have a sexual appetite. And this is kind of reinforced with the physical changes that happen um, to the vagina. So, for example, episiotomies, if people have had natural um, natural births, um, which um, I'm just going to assume that people know about. If not, that's when you've been cut um, within the vagina, um, just between the perineum, which is the vagina and anal area, the area in between. Um, so some ladies suffer from scar tissue. Um, there's some ladies where they're... they're um, the actual musculature within the vagina changes. So it can become overactive and tight, um, which can cause some kind of friction during intercourse. There's also some ladies because of the hormonal changes, especially because of um, breastfeeding, they can experience some vaginal dryness with intercourse. So these are the physical changes that we're talking about to the vagina postnatally. Then, like I told you about the emotional changes, the psychological changes, how we feel within our body, how we feel as a sexual woman again. I just have a question. Um, you, you were just talking about the, the, the muscle um, inside the vaginal walls that could get tight. Is that a result of vaginal deliveries or does that also happen if one were to have a C-section? Because I had a C-section and I still felt as though everything was very um, tight down there? And that's a valid and a very, very good question. So generally speaking, everybody thinks that natural births are um, is what causes a lot of vaginal pain, um, but it's not. It's actually carrying a baby for nine months, especially if you've had an overactive um, vaginal wall before um, becoming pregnant um, you have a higher prevalence of it becoming more overactive during birth and it has a lot to do with also stress factors anxiety factors these types of things all surround um, how the condition of the musculature of the vaginal walls sorry jade can i ask what you mean by overactive vaginal walls so um back kind of i don't like to use the word the medical term is hypertonic I do not like to use this word. Um, so overactive is basically your your vagina should do three things in terms of the, the muscles, okay? So the vagina is just the actual hole itself, okay? The pelvic floor are the muscles that make up the area, okay? So those muscles behave like any other muscle of the body, okay? So they should contract, they should shorten, they should relax, okay? And they should also stretch. Okay, so when the pelvic floor is overactive, it's almost like it's in spasm. It's just very, very tight. So that's what a pel an overactive pelvic floor um, means. I have I have something else actually because you talked about the um, the emotional part, the mental part of going back 
into having sex. Can you tell us some of the common, um, uh, I would say maybe mental or emotional insecurities or concerns that, that you have seen professionally? Professionally, one of the biggest ones is how is my vagina? So I find a lot of ladies when they come in to see me, most of them haven't tried to have intercourse, they haven't tried to be intimate. Um, most of them haven't even looked at their vagina. Okay, because it's almost like they're scared. It's like a fear. Oh, what does it look like? What does it feel like? You know, so there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of kind of anxiety, sexual anxiety as well. Um, can I orgasm again? Um, am I actually able to be able to enjoy sex again? So these are kind of some of the factors that are surrounding it. And also another factor which a lot of women come in is, is my husband actually going to enjoy sex with me again? Um, and this is a massive one, of course, and it's, and it's quite a minefield. Um, but I kind of promote as a professional women reconnecting back to their pelvic floor and to their vagina. Um, so I don't use machines um, with my treatment. I only use it if um, there's any pelvic floor laxity. So I stay away from machines because I believe there's a mind-body connection and we need to be able to access that again as women. And that's something that's missing within the medical field. I actually remember Mace asking me this question. Um, so Mace... <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna just <laughs> Go open the it. gates. Go for it and ask Jade what you've been wanting to ask her. She was so excited that you're coming on because she has an important question for you. Jade, I just delivered 32 days ago, like fresh, fresh out the delivery room, right? And um, thankfully, first or second baby, it's my first baby. Okay. And um, I had uh, labial tears. Yeah. Right. So it was actually quite minor. I didn't need. I, I mean, hearing um, Karen and my sisters and some more girlfriends tears, it was a nightmare. Um, I can't tell you how many times I did Kegel exercises to avoid it. Thankfully, I did. So, <laughs> yay. <laughs> um, I healed within two weeks. Uh, and my sex drive is actually quite high, which I'm surprised about. Because in my mind, you have baby and you can't stand hubby or you don't want to have sex because as you're saying, it's so much of an emotional change, physical change, so on and so forth. But, oh, Jade, I'm ready to get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost scaring my husband. So when can I have sex or when can I know that I am ready to have sex? Um, so the general rule of thumb is six weeks. Okay, that's the general rule of thumb. So when you go for that kind of six weeks checkup for your smear test, so you have your smear test, you get the clearance from the doc and the doctor's like, yeah, go. Do you know what I mean? Um, some women, it's sooner and that's okay. As long as you're healed, <laughs> as long as you feel good, it's, you know, you're not in any pain, then go for it. It can be sooner. And because my tear was quite close to um, my clitoris, it is actually a question that I have. When when she was stitching me up, those minor stitches, I was wondering, like I actually said to her, are you going to impact my clitoris in any way? And she started laughing at me, my doctor. <laughs> but is this going to impact my orgasm? Um, possibly. Possibly. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
that that can be possible. Well, think about it, right? Your clit, it's not just, I mean, I need my pelvis. I don't have my pelvis. Usually I have my pelvis. It's in the, in the clinic. But where your clitoris is, if you think where your labia are, you do have neurons. You have nerves that actually the same nerves that supply that part of the labia, they also supply the clitoris as well. So will your will you orgasm yeah will it be different more than likely okay another question <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm terrified <laughs> i feel like samantha from sex in the city where she thought she would she ran out of orgasms <laughs> the best thing for you to do mace actually is go and see women's health physio and work on the scar tissue like i don't know if you did perineal massage um i did or delivery so you do that but on the labia so around the okay. around the site of the scar yeah can i use my vibrator yeah okay because the vibrator that i use or my favorite vibrator <laughs> it's more of a clitoris stimulator and because of because of the stitches and but i actually saw my doctor and said i healed so i was just wondering is it safe to use your vibrator hundred percent. So if you're worried about kind of, if you have a little bit of that anxiety or that fear around going straight for penetrative sex, you can't, I would highly recommend using a vibrator before you go and jump straight in literally to bed. So just, yeah, you can use your clit, clit stimulator, use your vibrator. Um, all of that is perfectly fine. Um, in ladies that really suffer from overactive pelvic floors and they really struggle to go back to intercourse, we actually use things called dilators, um, which help to basically stretch the pelvic floor slightly um, because there's a condition called vaginismus. So, yeah, vibrators, dilators, they're all welcome. Um, and I'm a big advocate. I was having this conversation at the weekend. Um, and one of my friends was at my house and his mouth was open and my husband and I were sitting there talking about masturbation. And I said, for women, masturbation is one of the most important things because how are we to know our body if we can, if how are our partners meant to know our body if we are unable to know our own body? And you've given birth, you know, and in some ways you have a new body and you have to honor it and you have to get to know it again. You know, things things have changed. You've grown, a, you've grown a human being. You've birthed a human being. So you have to get to reconnect into your body again. Um, Jade, uh, I mean, that, that really hit home for me um, as well. Uh, after, well, for me, postpartum, I, even after the six, we six weeks, I continued um, to feel a lot of pain during intercourse with my husband for several months. Um, it, it actually felt like I was a virgin every single time until now. I mean, even a year later, it's, it's still a bit uncomfortable and I'm, I did a C-section. So, um, is that, is that what vaginismus is? What, what is that exactly? Yes. So vaginismus is when you have an overactive pelvic floor during intercourse. Um, and not only just during intercourse, it can also be when you're inserting a tampon, um, when anything is going inside your vagina. So the likelihood is probably that you had an overactive pelvic floor, like I said, before you were actually pregnant and maybe you weren't aware of it. Um, so vaginismus is basically pain with, with, with intercourse, with penetrative intercourse. Okay. And just out of curiosity, um, from a, 
I want to I want to bring in a bit of like uh, uh, sociocultural slash psychological um, aspects to this. Is is it could it be something that is psychological? Um, I, I'm asking this possibly for you know people that are listening from the region. There's a lot of conservatism around um, you know talking about sex, and as Arabs growing up in the Middle East from conservative households. Um, girls are brought up, um, you know, where, where sex is uh, something that's sacred and you only have it with your husband and it's quite taboo to talk about. And I, I'm just wondering because, because there's almost like a switch that gets flipped where, you know, girls spend their whole lives, no sex, no sex, no sex, and then they get married and then all of a sudden the floodgates open and like we're all expected to you know be comfortable about it and talk about it and um so from my experience of working in the region and i work um with a lot of ladies um within this region um from a lot of different arabic cultures backgrounds religions the whole board and that's one thing i love about um living in the middle east and um, I'm seeing even a big shift, um, especially with ladies kind of early 30s in their attitude um, towards sex and towards their bodies. Um, so for those that are more conservative, um, I generally try to work with them and I support them. I try to kind of work in an interdisciplinary manner. So if they need kind of psychological support, then it's there. Um, I work a lot around mindfulness. Um, a lot around education um, that, you know, maybe I, I, I had recently, for instance, a very young, um, she was in her mid-20s, she's come in with a coccyx issue and she actually has, she's from Pakistan and she has an overactive pelvic floor. She actually has vaginismus, but she's never been intimate or anything like that in her life. And I said to her, do you ha actually have a sexual desire? Do you have any sexual desire? And she said to me, no, Jade, I don't. Actually, when I think about sex, it actually disgusts me. And I thought this poor girl is, you know, in her mid-20s, she's going to get married one day. And she doesn't realize that she's got vaginismus. She doesn't realize to what extent she has vaginismus. So at the moment, what I'm trying to do is promote a lot of education around sex. Having a sexual desire, it is okay. Um, and it doesn't have to be like you're this mad wild goddess. It's getting to know your body. Do you know what I mean? Getting to know mm. what you like. Um, I actually even do joint sessions with couples. Um, recently, i done a joint session with a young couple. They've been married 18 months. And the husband came in and we did a session. And I taught the husband, okay, you need to be gentle. You need to be, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I kind of talked him through it. So I try not to kind of make it all about sex. Um, with more of the conservative, I try and make it more about connection. Yeah. Do you mm -hmm. see what I mean? More about growing their marriage, growing their relationship, um, growing together rather than it just being about the physical act of just sex. Oh, wow, Jade. We need, we need more of you in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> I... Once they begin to understand that, so usually the women come in first. I talk them through it and then I'm like would your husband be open to doing a joint session maybe you know he can help your healing process and that's another thing it's very much I emphasize some on the healing process 
because these ladies they think something's wrong with them do you see what I mean like it's like oh what's wrong with me I have pain or is this normal and explain to them your pelvic floor is something like we were going back to Karen's question it's a very psychological thing so we need it's a healing journey it's breaking our belief systems it's going into ourselves it's a journey into ourselves and healing ourselves and if we can do that with our partners and our husbands it's even better because I've noticed in my professional uh, career when husbands are involved actually most of the time the healing process is a lot quicker Mm. yeah Well, that's really enlightening for sure. I mean, usually when we think about healing, it's always something that's, um, uh, I guess, internal or insular. But the idea of bringing in the partners is is actually... Um, it's refreshing. Yeah, it's refreshing. And crucial. It's yeah. crucial. And I think it's someone it's someone you're, you're sharing your body with. So they have to also honor your body and understand how to, how to take care of it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So Jade, I mean, having an overactive uh, pelvic floor, having vaginismus, how do you address this? What, I mean, how do you heal something like that? Is it something that, is there anything, you know, you give your clients to do at home? Obviously, to anyone listening, before you self-diagnose yourself, (laughs) please go speak to a professional and make sure that, you know, you have an, you know exactly what is up or down pun intended <laughs> um but how how do you go about with you know advising your clients to heal so i know you've talked about mentally and physically connecting reconnecting to the body but what are some of the medical methods or the approaches that you take here um so first thing is we always look at their nutrition that's so interesting that's amazing um i look at nutrition anyway um to see if there's any history of candida so any because candida actually doesn't just reside in the vagina it can reside in your gut it can reside in your mouth um, which for those that don't know it's called thrush as well um, and that can cause a large amount of inflammation of your pelvic region so that's the first port of call that i usually go to um, and if they need to start kind of giving them very basic advice about eliminating certain foods if they need to working with a nutritionist as well Um, And then we go in and kind of, I have a look at their hormones. So if they need to, if they don't have any kind of, if they have a history of a thyroid issue, adrenal fatigue, autoimmune diseases, then I generally go and get them to do a full um, panel of their hormones and their thyroid. Um, Just because that can also cause a lot of inflammation in the, in the body Um, and cause a lot of cramping and stuff like that as well. Um, then from a physio point of view, um, what we do is I actually do internal assessments. For me, that's the gold standard of um, women's health physiotherapy. Um, you're not kind of, I, we're very gentle women's health physios. We're not like gynees. You know, when you go to the gynae and it's like, oh my God, and you dread it. And they put your legs <laughs> up in the stirrup and they're all there with their face kind of, you know, oh, love, look at your vagina. <laughs> um, I'm not like that at all, at all. Um, so for me personally, I treat others how I would like to be treated, even from a professional manner. So most of the time, women don't even notice sometimes that I'm doing an internal because I'll just talk to them normally. And from that, I'll get them to kind of, I'll say, can you activate your pelvic floor muscles? Can you release your pelvic floor muscles? We have a look at breathing because breathing has affects largely the pelvic floor. Um, and if it's overactive or underactive. 
Um, I also have a look at pelvis. I go even into the jaw sometimes um, oh. because there's been evidence to show if ladies grind their teeth or even if you're not a grinder, if you're a clencher because of anxiety. Um, so the throat actually connects to your pelvic floor. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have the same nerve that controls, we have sphincter muscles. So they're the muscles that open and close the vagina, the anus. When you're digesting, you know, you're kind of esophagus, it has to open and close. The same thing with the throat, it's the same nerve. And it's the same nerve that controls the jaw. So if ladies wow. have overactive kind of jaw, I start by treating neck and jaw, and then I work my way down. Um, and then we use a lot of kind of dilators. So dilators, for those that don't know, they're basically shaped like a penis. They start from, a, usually they have about five or six sizes. We start from the smallest size. Um, I generally start ladies in lying down and then I'll have them walking around with a dilator in. Then we bring in a lot of mindfulness, a lot of kind of down training of the pelvic floor. So breathing and, and kind of guiding ladies how to let go of the pelvic floor. The worst thing you can tell someone with an overactive pelvic floor is relax because they don't know how to, and for them, they feel like they're relaxed. Whilst I'm actually doing internals, I go through breathing exercises and basically release off their pelvic floor as well. Constipation is another one as well. We look at medically, um, where is the constipation coming from? Why are they constipated? There's so many factors involved with an overactive pelvic floor. It's like a, it really is like a minefield. But the main thing is, is that there is help. And thank God there's help within the region. Because I've had patients that have come to me postnatally and they've said, oh yeah, my doctor gave me numbing cream. <clears throat> and said, just use the numbing cream and it will get better. Oh no. So actually thinking, thinking a little bit about um, the dilators actually, am I wrong to say that uh, pelvic floor exercises or what people know as Kegel exercises are counterproductive to healing uh, vaginismus? Not necessarily. Okay. So, Kegel exercises have kind of, for myself anyway, professionally, have progressed. So what we kind of knew in the 80s and 90s of Kegel exercises, which is, oh, tighten your vagina, tighten, tighten, ladies, tighten as hard as you can, <laughs> is completely not that anymore. Kegel exercises, like I said, pelvic floor does everything. So it can actually be tight and weak. Mm. Okay, think of your hamstrings. Okay, let's think of a sports person that maybe has weak hamstrings, but really tight hamstrings. Oh, they can okay. pull a hamstring, right? Mm. Yeah, It's a muscle, same thing with the, the, the vagina. So it can actually be tight and weak. And most of the time when it is overactive, it is actually um, weak. So Kegel exercises are progressive. So you need to be able to elevate, hold. You need to be able to relax. And then you need to be able to stretch. Um, so we're talking about overactive vaginas and it being and it feeling very tight. Um, but often, you know, I've spoken to a lot of women that felt that they were extremely loose or, you know, in quotations, loose um, or they didn't have they felt um less of a tight grip around their partner or their their vibrators. So it wasn't as tight as it used to be is. 
Can you talk a little bit about that? So that's when the pelvic floor is actually underactive. Okay. Okay. So um, this one there's I don't, I really do not like using this word, but I can't believe I'm going to say it when it's, when there's laxity in, mm-hmm. in quotation marks, <laughs> <laughs> because these words are all kind of, so I, I generally call it underactive. So okay. that's when you do need to work on the tone of the muscle. So that's where diet comes into play hormones come into play. So breastfeeding has a big impact on our underactive pelvic floor. Um, Also, if you've had a traumatic birth, if you've had forceps or a vacuum delivery, or, you know, you've had really bad tearing, it can cause nerve damage, which can um, prevent, inhibit the muscles from working or inhibit them from having that kind of being able to contract and recruit the pelvic floor. I'm curious when you say breastfeeding has an impact on it, because I'm currently breastfeeding now. So what sort of impacts are we talking about here? So generally speaking, when you're breastfeeding, um, your hormones are all over the place. So, you know, you've got this nice relaxing still whizzing around in your body and your body's like, yeah, I'm breastfeeding. And it's like, oh, you know, it's nurturing. It's, it's all at your body, kind of all your muscle tissue goes a little bit kind of loose it does it's not as toned okay it's not Mm. as firm tell me about it (laughs) (laughs) this also happens with your vagina you it's a muscle right so it also happens so i get ladies that come in they're like you know what i feel like you know some ladies they have a prolapse so that's when the bladder or the bowel or the uterus come down within the the vagina um so some ladies have like a prolapse or a sensation of heaviness inside their vagina and they're like you know what i had sex last night and i just feel my prolapse a little bit more and i explained to them it's breastfeeding does have an impact on the muscles and how much we can tone them does it also by any chance cause dryness or irritation during sex bingo mace yeah yeah it does yeah so in this case I'm I'm very pro natural as much as I can. Um, I recommend coconut oil, a good organic grade mm. coconut oil. Mm. Just insert that inside your vagina a little bit on the outside, and not just when you're having sex. Use it like moisturizer, like your Ooh. the way you moisturize your body every morning. Take a little bit of coconut oil and give give your vagina some love. Speaking <laughs> of giving vagina some love. i thought coconut oil would would somehow impact my ph levels and then that would give me a yeast infection but if you're saying no i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna coconut the hell out of this vagina (laughs) generally speaking coconut oil is very cleansing it's actually a natural cleanser which we don't know um and it's lubricating and it smells good man like yeah, <laughs> it does coconut and tastes good <laughs> it tastes good you can't have sex <laughs> but i like how you just said you know love your vagina and and i think that takes me to my next question about how can or what advice would you give women out there that have just delivered um c-section or natural and not only they can they maybe not feel the best about their bodies but also about their vagine they're beautiful of a JJ. What, what advice would you give for women to reconnect with their vagina? First things first, take a mirror and have a look. Mm. Because oh, scary. none of us really look at our vaginas. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I was, I was actually the opposite. So I just want to share a small story. 
I was really lucky to have both my sisters and my mom and my husband in the delivery room. <laughs> and so when my sisters were explaining to me what it was like to see the baby come out, I was like, I need to see what happened in there. So, you know, I had, I had stitches as well. So on a regular basis, I would ask my husband to fold my legs backward to help me fold my legs in a way. I'm like, I need to see. He was like, why? I'm like, I want to see what it looks like. But I don't want to, Karen. <laughs> it was, you know what? It was actually, it was actually amazing to watch it go back to what, you know, in air quotes is, is a normal looking vagina. Because in the beginning, I was like, why, why is it doing that? Why does it? Why does it look like it's <laughs> laughing at me? Um, um, but it was it was wonderful, and actually, it really empowered me to know that okay, it looks like it should, or like how I remember, or what I would like it to look like. So I felt really good about myself. I was like, "Good job, happy healing, Karen. That was great. Good job, Karun. So sorry I interrupted you, Jade. Go ahead. No, um, I think what you say is true. I think looking at our vaginas we don't do it we're not we we're not told to do it it's a bit like no that's my vagina i don't look at that do you know what i mean it's like take the mirror man like i i had i'll tell you a funny story i was um i went home to london to see a friend who had just given birth one month postnatally very one of my best friends and she said to me jade i want to have sex and i said to her she had had a, an episiotomy i said to her i think you should just wait a couple of weeks Maybe don't have sex right now. No, 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 no. He's coming home. For, he's been at, um, traveling for work. I need to have sex. I said, okay. So Mace, I think she was a bit like you, like her sex drive. Was just, <laughs> I like your best friend already. And I was like, maybe just chill. Just just relax. And she was like, no, 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 I need to. I said, okay. She said, will you do an internal? I said, okay, fine. Get on the bed. I've done the internal on her. And um, I said, okay, your stitches are still healing, but try to avoid it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it. And she said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. I said, okay, fine. So I think it was two weeks. I traveled back to Dubai. Two weeks later, I'm at work. I am not lying to you. I open my phone. I see a full frontal picture of my friend's vagina. And she said to me, <laughs> did my vagina look like this before birth? I was like, man, I don't know. Ask your <laughs> <laughs> telling you like have a look give it time because it didn't feel the same she was going crazy like she was oh. like is it meant to be like this it didn't feel the same it was painful da, 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 da. and I said to her that's why I told you just take time like mm. looking at your vagina you don't realize every day like you were saying Karen it, it it kind of made you feel confident again in your body like actually it can heal and you don't realize what that does to you psychologically. It gives you the confidence when you are ready to masturbate or you are ready to go back in that bedroom and be intimate, you know? And that translate also translates into your sexual appetite as well. Can I ask, because I'm going to, okay, I promise I'm going to wait into the six weeks and then I'm going to try to have sex. After, <laughs> after today's conversation, I'm definitely going to wait. But when do I know if I need to stop? I know because I'm listening to the girls now speak. They're saying it hurts the first time. But when is the hurt, the kind of hurt where you need to stop immediately or it's going to cause more damage? Good question. First time, I always say to ladies, first time will be uncomfortable. Okay, I like to use the word discomfort, uncomfortable. 
If the pain is more than a three out of 10 and it's continuous and it's with every stroke while you're having sex, then stop and don't have sex again. Go and see your gynae, go and see your women's health physiotherapist mm -hmm. and get some medical care. Okay. Then you'll work with them because the more the likelihood is that something is going on. If it's a continuous, if you've tried once, it's uncomfortable or you really do have pain, you've tried again and it's really uncomfortable, you have pain, the likelihood is something is going on. Do you know what I mean? Something is up. And in that case, then you need to go and see your gynae or go and see your women's health. To be honest with you, I would recommend seeing a women's health physio straight away um, and bypassing the gynae. And if the women's health physio sees anything that maybe the gynae needs to get involved with, then the gynae can get involved. Uh, Jade, you were just talking about advising uh, women to go and see a women's health physio. Um, can you just talk us through a little bit about how a physio can help a woman return her to her sex life? What actually goes on with the physio? So as I mentioned before, we do internal, um, I don't like to use this word, examinations. Um, mm. So we basically... <laughs> Take a gander. <laughs> what it is, I just, some of the language we use in the medical field, it doesn't translate for patients. Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone said to me, I'm going to examine your vagina, I'd be like, hell no, you're not touching my vagina. Why are you going to examine it for? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> anyway, so we usually do an internal mm -hmm. examination. Um, and like I said before, we then kind of like, get a treatment plan geared towards you so if that's something where you know you've never been able to orgasm we look at where your baseline was before you had a baby okay mm -hmm. and then we work towards that baseline and if there's something in particular where you're like you know what jade i'm not that sexually active i don't have such a sexual appetite i just need to be able to have intercourse with my husband once every month once every three months then I kind of get it, do you know what I mean? But if, for mm -hmm. example, I'm working with someone like Mace, who's telling me, my God, I just <laughs> want to have sex, then, you know, then you're working with a lady that has a high sexual appetite. So you have to be like, okay, you have to take it into consideration. Everybody's an individual, right? So you you kind of, as a physio, you're not just working on a physical a physical level. You also have to work towards a goal of what your, your client wants to get to. If they want to be able mm. to have pain-free healthy happy sex and orgasm then you work towards that do you see what i mean if somebody just wants to be able to have sex once every three months meh, they're not really too interested in sex that's also okay and mm -hmm. um, if people want to reconnect to their bodies then there's different routes and i think with perfect health and women's health the main thing as a physiotherapist is to work from from a multidisciplinary approach no no it takes it takes communities to help women. Do you know what I mean? So looking at gynecologists, urologists, like we said, looking at the hormone factor. So if a lady did have a really high sex drive before and all of a sudden it's plummeted and it's one year, 18 months after she's she's had a baby and she has some sexual pain, but she's also experienced some vaginal dryness, it's like, okay, I can work from a physio point of view in terms of releasing that pelvic floor, rehabbing it, helping it to contract again. But do we need to work with maybe an endocrinologist that looking at our hormones? Is she going into early menopause? So it's very dependent upon um, the patient itself. What kind of what kind of um, hormones would would uh, would you be or the endocrinologist be looking at when it comes to um, the libido or sexual appetite? 
it generally is estrogen and testosterone. Um, if any of those are out of sync, um, or if the thyroid is underactive, um, because the thyroid is basically responsible for producing the hormones. Um, I firstly just go to, to thyroid. I actually don't work myself with endocrinologists. They're not my first port of call. My first port of call is a functional medicine doctor because they mm. don't just look at from things from a hormonal point of view. They look at how your whole body is functioning from a hormonal mm. point of view, from digestion, all of those types of things. Um, uh, can I ask uh, one last question before we uh, summarize and wrap this up? Um, I have a few girlfriends who never saw a women's health physio until they were, um, until after they had their second baby. And that's when they really felt much bigger um, concerns or issues or pains. So could you give us or could you give the audience a little bit of advice when it comes to your physical health, your sexual health, especially after second baby? Once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. So whether that's you've had one baby, two babies, three babies, at 35, 36, 46, 66, you're always postpartum, right? Your body's always had a baby. So the earlier you get professional help, advice, guidance, the sooner you recognize there's an issue, then seek medical advice. Don't think, oh, it will go in time. Oh, it will go in time. Oh, but I had my baby five years ago. doesn't matter. Once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. And I think women some women become martyrs they feel like because they've had a baby they have to kind of sacrifice oh i've got a baby i haven't got time for myself prioritize yourself as well like you're important so i would advise the audience as soon as possible six weeks try to see a women's health physio if you're unable to do that try to see at least within a year of giving birth um second baby first baby doesn't matter um it's never too late Okay, only because friends talk about it and you're like, oh, well, you know, it's it, it's common, doesn't make it normal. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people think. They think, oh, you know, first, second, third baby. Oh, it's normal. It's normal that I have pain during intercourse. It's normal that I don't orgasm. And I used to orgasm and now I don't. No, it's not. Only because it's common doesn't make it normal. Amazing. Wow. We could all benefit from some awareness raising of the importance of uh, women's health physio. I myself, I'm, I'm pregnant now with my second. I had no idea that such a profession existed. I didn't know that um, the issues or the difficulties that I was having postpartum was something to even be addressed. I just yeah. assumed that it's something that I just had to accept and, and hope that it would resolve over time. Um, so this is enlightening for me and I'm sure for everybody else listening, for all of us. Absolutely. This is uh, surely enlightening for my vagina, and she thanks you, Jade. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I love what you ladies are doing. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank, Thank you, you so much. Do a part two one day. We'll do a part two. <laughs> absolutely. We would love to. We would absolutely what love to. Talk to. about. <laughs> we can't wait. You know, we're going to start drafting that outline right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Thanks, Jade, Jade, for joining us. Ma salama. <laughs> and we'll speak soon. Ma salama. Ma salama. Hey, lady. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.